Blog Talk Radio. Music Laws Fighting for Justice Radio. Don't underestimate the other guys, Green. Robert, Mark, and Reed. You have the right to remain silent. Let me shut up. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. They see me rolling. They hating. Patrolling and trying to get me right. Laws Fighting for Justice Radio analyzes civil cases in the news, trends in the law, and covers all legal current events. Each week, Kuzik Laws Fighting for Justice features newsmakers, attorneys, media personalities, celebrities, experts, business people, and so much more. Kuzik Laws Fighting for Justice. Straight talk, no nonsense. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Now it's time for Kuzik Laws Fighting for Justice Radio. Here are your hosts, Robert, Mark, and Reed. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening, and we're happy to have you with us. We have another fantastic show for you today. And remember, check out our website at kuziklaw.com, K-U-Z-Y-K law.com, and let your friends know about the show. People can listen to our podcast on iTunes at www.blogtalkradio.com slash kuziklaw. Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio with Robert, Mark, and Reed each week analyzes civil cases in the news, trends in the law, and we cover legal current events. Today we've got some great stories for you, and then we'll have our expert on, and after that we'll have Reed's rant. Uh, now to the first story of the week, uh, Jim Carrey's wrongful death suit got a little uglier. I guess the estranged husband of Jim Carrey's former girlfriend has now amended his complaint and is alleging that Jim Carrey gave her a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, Robert, what's happening with uh, Jim Carrey? Well, uglier and uglier here in this lawsuit. We talked about it last week, um, the estranged husband of Catriona White, a 30-year-old makeup artist who had been linked romantically to Jim Carrey, found dead of a suicide last year. Um, and then a lawsuit filed by Mr. Burton, the estranged husband, claiming that Carrie had in fact furnished the drug she used to kill herself. You know, um, Carrie and his lawyer, Martin Singer of Beverly Hills, had pushed hard, pretty pushed back pretty hard on these allegations that Carrie was somehow at fault in this young girl's death, and had actually insinuated more recently that. The marriage by which Mr. Burton claimed, you know, this right to bring this lawsuit was itself a sham and perhaps had been done for immigration purposes to uh, preserve Ms. White's ability to work and stay in the United States. That's amazing. I I guess that's kind of uh, a fairly common thing, Robert, where people get married just so that they can get a visa or stay here. Um, And my understanding is that the the cat and this guy, the plaintiff, Burton, uh, they never actually lived together. So it well, sure does seem like a scam. Well, I don't know if it's a scam or not, but boy, the allegations that are, are in this first amended complaint appear to be directly related to the attack on Burton by Carrie and Singer. What he has alleged now is that, in fact, Carrie gave Ms. White uh, sexually transmitted diseases. And when she raised the issue, Carrie denied it then tried to suggest it may have been somebody else who gave it to her, and then, before she actually got confirmation, broke off his relationship with her, and then tried to get her to sign a release, absolving him of any liability or responsibility to Ms. White arising from their relationship. And every time these allegations are mentioned in the lawsuit, 
the lawsuit recites the same adjectives that uh, Carey and that his lawyer had been using against uh, against Burton about how outrageous and about how heartless and about how cynical and about how exploitative uh, Carrie's treatment was of this young lady, essentially turning the allegations back on Carrie and his lawyer, Martin Singer, um, in a way that doesn't really advance the ball with respect to Burton's right to win the lawsuit because these allegations were personal to Ms. White and would have right. died with her as far as any claim goes. Right. It's irrelevant. It seems to me he's just trying to inflame the situation and say embarrassing stuff, again, in an effort to try and extort a settlement debt of Jim Carrey so he could avoid all the public uh, scrutiny and, and embarrassment. Well, I'm sure he would say that it's kind of a response to the way he and his lawyer have been characterized by Carey and Singer, which have just been absolutely excoriating uh, Burton and his intentions in bringing this lawsuit and attempting to paint Carey as the good guy in this situation. And this first amended complaint that was filed last week by Burton and his lawyer really seems to turn the tables on Carey and Singer with respect to these new sleazy but quite explosive allegations. Well, I, 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 I was going to say, I had an experience with Singer years ago when I sued Elizabeth Taylor, and Singer's one of the well-known Hollywood lawyers, and he's like a, a bulldog. He just makes outrageous statements. That's just kind of the tactic he has. Well, I think his scorched earth uh, sort of philosophy, or litigation philosophy in this particular case, may be backfiring a little bit because... These allegations were not in the original complaint. They really aren't relevant or germane to the wrongful death lawsuit arising from this young girl's suicide and may well have been uh, never may never have come to light had not this these allegations been made against Burton concerning the fact that perhaps it was a sham marriage and that he didn't even really have the right to assert the wrongful death claim in the first place. Well, I I think that this case is going to have a lot of fireworks and We'll all look forward to its climactic conclusion. Um, you're listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice radio, and remember to check out our website at kuziklaw.com. We're going to move on to Mark's story about Samsung. I guess there's a explosion-related lawsuit where a man had the phone in his pocket, and it literally blew up and caused him some serious burns in both his leg and his hand. Mark, what happened? Yeah, Reed, recall last week we talked about the Galaxy Note 7 recall where Samsung recalled about 2.5 million of their newest Android phones because they had received about 90 or so reports of the phones catching on fire or exploding. So you knew a lawsuit was coming, and one finally came to light this past week. Uh, a 28-year-old man from Florida became became the first to sue Samsung due to the Note 7. Uh, gentleman by the name of Jonathan Strobel claims that he received severe multiple burns from his phone that he just placed inside of his pocket and that they caught on fire while it was in his pocket. And uh, this is about this ha- and he filed suit one day after the recall. He claims he was shopping at Costco and uh, when the phone caught on fire, he tried to reach in his pocket and he burned his thumb while doing so and, and his whole thigh is, is burned about the size of the phone. Um, as is typical of product liability claims against a manufacturer. He's seeking uh, unspecified damages for lost wages, medical bills, and, and general damages for pain and suffering. Um, the lawyer for Strobel says he has a deep second-degree burn by the size of the cell phone. 
um, he said that the you know obviously the recall came a couple days too late for his client. This so this really is happened? one of the. Or is this the kind of thing where somebody could be seeking to exploit the fact of the recall to make some allegation that uh, just isn't going to be borne out by the facts? Well, it could be. You know, but th- this is the first, I think, it's going to be a series of lawsuits. There was a, a six-year-old child last week uh, that ended up in the hospital because of one of these phones burning him while he was holding the device. There's been uh, reports of two cars catching on fire and totally burning. There's a report of a hotel catching on fire with about $1,400 of damage. And there's a, ho- a claim of a house burning down because of one of these phones. So I wow. think we're going to see Mark, a bunch of lawsuits. Us, Mark, you told us last week that you have one of these phones and that you were going to I be do. turning it in for the new one according to the recall. Did you ever notice anything with your phone that would lead you to uh, fear that it might burst into flames and, and burn you or burn down your house? I, I, was, I was very mindful all the time of where it was. I didn't put it in my pocket, that's for sure. And I have replaced it. And uh, I flew this past weekend... Uh, and what I did, the airlines, they told us in both directions, you know, if you have a, a Galaxy Note 7, you need to turn it off, and you're not allowed to turn it on, and you can't charge it during this flight. I, I just think Samsung's going to be taking a big hit here, um, you know, because iPhones just came out with their with their, their iPhone 7, and the Galaxy 7 is just getting slammed in the media. So I think they're going to, Samsung's going get, to get hit hard for all of this. The only re- only response they have so far is that, quote, we don't comment on pending litigation. We are urging all Note 7 owners to power down their device and exchange it immediately. That's their only comment to the lawsuit so far. I got to say, if I had if I had a Galaxy Note 7, I would exchange it immediately. I would never want to – I'd be afraid to hold the thing. And all they're doing is giving us a, a $25 credit for the hassle, which – you can't even buy a new phone charger for 25 bucks. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. And the and the way that they replace these um with the phone that addresses this problem by what? By not allowing the battery to charge up to full capacity? That's what I've read that it, it might only be 60% of what the normal capacity would be. I I can't tell yet, but you know the Android fo- uh, batteries have always been terrible compared to the uh, to the iPhones in my opinion. So, is that going to be satisfactory to the customers who are turning in their old phones and getting back one that only charges 60% of the old one? If that's what it really is, like I said, I can't tell yet, but if if, if I notice a huge difference, I may be trading mine in. Are I you going to be able to? Because I would be concerned that once I turned in my Note 7 and got this new one, I've accepted that. And if I don't like it, well, now I can throw that away and go you know, sell it for 100 bucks or whatever you, do, whoever, whatever you can get for it and then go get an iPhone or something. I, I would be, if it were me, I'd be turning it in and say, hey, you sold me a defective product, give me a full refund, I'm going to go buy an iPhone. Well, I think you had that option. But I think, I think all the phone companies have a 14-day policy where you can return the phone, and they all, I think they all charge like a $35 restocking fee. The restocking fee was waived for this, for this recall, of course. Well, I'd be pretty upset at Samsung. You know, it's very inconvenient to have to go get a new phone, and I don't even know. I mean, at least with Apple, when I've gotten new phones with Apple, they have this 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 cloud thing where you they they press a few buttons and all your stuff comes onto your new phone. It's really easy. I don't know if it's going to work if you turn in a Samsung and you get some Android or some other type of phone if that that cloud thing still works. No, that did not happen to me. I, I had to manually install a lot of my apps. Oh, that's terrible. It was. That's terrible. 
All right, let's move on. Uh, again, this is Kuzik Laws Fighting for Justice Radio, and you can check us out on uh, iTunes, uh, listen to our podcasts, and I think that's at uh, Blog Talk Radio slash Kuzik Law. And you can check out our website at www.kuziklaw.com. Um, Robert, we got a, uh, you're doing a story about uh, some bullying. Uh, the parents of a daughter, their daughter had committed suicide, and they sued the school district, uh, alleging that the school did not do enough to address the bullying issue. Tell us about it. Well, what a sad story, but also a story that is of interest to so many people now with the focus on bullying and trying to prevent it, just tragedies exactly like this. You know, a year ago, 12-year-old Kenneth Katie. Uh, hung herself in her bedroom, Hmm. and the allegation was that she had fallen into a depression after being bullied at school. Now her parents, Dan and Michaela, have filed a lawsuit against the East Rochester Union School District, saying that they had been to the school and they had made complaints and they had tried to get the school to do something about this and that nothing had happened. So now they filed this lawsuit saying that the school district is responsible for young Kenneth's death because had they done something Uh, in response to these complaints to try to shut down this bullying, then uh, perhaps little Kenneth would still be alive. What do you think they could have done, though? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, when this this, uh, tragedy first happened, the school district launched its own internal investigation. And the result came back that they hadn't found any evidence of bullying during school hours. And in fact, the sheriff's department had opened a criminal investigation and that ended up closing without any charges being filed. But it's been reported that what was going on was bullying outside of school, primarily on social media. Apparently, there were two other girls who had started a rumor that this that young Kenneth was a lesbian, and they had posted these allegations on Instagram, and then when Kenneth had seen these on Instagram, she felt humiliated, she felt that everybody was looking at her and whispering behind her back, and that supposedly or allegedly caused this depression that led to her committing suicide. Wow, that that's horrendous. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's unfortunate that someone would feel that being caused a lesbian or, or homosexual in any way is so embarrassing that they would want to take their lives. But I'll tell you, when I was a kid, uh, one of my schoolmates, um, he, his, uh, uh, his brother and his brother's friend actually followed him and took pictures of this, this man, this young man, having sex with his boyfriend. And they spread it all around the school, and it was very embarrassing for this this guy, Robert, uh, who was basically outed. And it was a huge tragedy because what ended up happening was Robert went out and got a machine gun and killed uh, the guy that spread the rumors and, 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 well, spread the pictures. And he was sentenced to 25 years to life, and he got out just a few years ago, and this was... This is a long time ago. I already had my 30th reunion, and so lives and families were devastated. And this kind of bullying, you never realize that it could really have a tremendously terrible effect. Well, uh, in I this think case, especially you had in this, this girl of... that got killed herself, you know, I, I'm sure that the girls that did that bullying had no idea that it would result in death. But you got to re- realize it can. Well, interestingly enough, um, the parents of the two girls who allegedly did the bullying have not been named in the lawsuit. 
And there have been some successful lawsuits filed in other jurisdictions throughout the country against the parents of school children who have bullied, you know, their classmates. So we have a situation here where perhaps, you know, the, the, the parents of the, of the little girl who killed herself, you know, they're, they're directing it at the school, but perhaps it might have been better directed at the parents of the girls who did this bullying. But there's also a lesson here for, for every parent, I think, especially in this time when our children are so involved in social media and so much of their worldview and their also their self of sense, their sense of self is based on, you know, what other other their peers say about them online and Instagram and Snapchatting and all of these other things. And it's just a real cautionary tale, I think, for every parent to make sure they know what their children are up to on social media, to make sure that another tragedy like that, like this is not in the making. Absolutely. And in, in my kids' school, they've had uh, a lot of discussion about that, and they, they have uh, uh, like a school meeting where they talk to kids about that and they put out that exact message and they tell the parents, be careful about what your kids are doing on social media, be aware of it. And our school has a zero tolerance for bullying. And I think that's great. But, and I do think that schools need to do as much as they can, but they can't have a security guard walk around and follow every student. They need to educate people about bullying. They need to explain how important it is to recognize it and the potential consequences of it and let the parents and students know that there could be serious ramifications. Um, all right, we're going to move on. Uh, Wells Fargo, their CEO has to forfeit $41 million in unvested stock options uh, based on an internal investigation. And I understand some other high-level executives have also had to give up their stock options. I wonder, though, whether they're just going to replace them next year. Um, Mark, tell us about it. Yes, Reed. We, well, we've all heard about the fraudulent conduct by Wells Fargo employees in opening fake accounts and credit card accounts due to pressure to increase sales under the fear of getting fired. Um, this fiasco started what will likely become a plethora of lawsuits against the bank by both employees and customers and shareholders on top of that. Um, Wells Fargo settled a lawsuit earlier this month with L.A. County, L.A. City Attorney's Office and with two regulatory agencies for $185 million in fines. But I think that's just the beginning. Um, the bank continues to, to face ongoing criticism as details about the fraud continue to come out. In just the last few weeks, the bank has been slapped with at least four lawsuits seeking class action status, including one just this past Monday on behalf of employees who may have been fired or demoted over the last 10 years for refusing to open bogus accounts to meet these aggressive sales goals. Oh, wow, that's interesting. So with, yeah, when things like this happen, it becomes like a race to the courthouse to see who will become the lead case because the courts don't want to have a multitude of class action lawsuits on the same topic. So most of these cases will get consolidated into one lawsuit. Yeah, um, they'll do the multi-district litigation. It's much more efficient. And Wells Fargo is a deep pocket, so I'm sure all, all, everybody is trying to get their claims in. Right. We just They also had a class action on behalf of the Wells Fargo shareholders who claimed that the bank misled their investors and misrepresented the quote-unquote cross-selling technique, which has fueled all this fraudulent activity. So now we well, have Mark, lawsuits. What's that? Well, Mark, um, so he has to give, forgive or give up some unvested stock options. But he's still keeping his job. He's still keeping his multi-million dollar salary. He's still running 
the show over there at Wells Fargo, is this really going to satisfy the regulators and customers and employees who are harmed by this? Well, they're calling for his head, but he, he's not only giving up the $41 million in bonuses and stocks, but he's not getting a salary either. He's going to continue to work for the rest of this year without getting paid. But well, how does he even still have his job, though? Well, that's a really good question. Um, he was in front of a House committee, and like, who was it? Uh, Senator Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, she just railed him. She right. said, uh, you haven't resigned. You haven't returned a single nickel of personal earnings. You haven't fired a single senior executive. It's gutless leadership, that's what she said to him. So, you know, they're in the Wells Fargo is doing their own investigation, and they intend to possibly claw back some of his income that he's already received this year. And then there was another woman who was the, in charge of the whole division that created these fake accounts. Her name was Carrie Tolstead. And she was going to retire anyway at the end of the year, but now she's gone as of this past week. And she's left $19 million worth of stock on the table, and she's not going to be able to exercise $34 million in stock options. That's a big ouch, but she still has about $43 million worth of stock. I think she's going to need it because I think she's going to be a named defendant in some of these lawsuits. I bet you that the court, the court will probably, I mean, the court, the company will have to indemnify her for that kind of stuff, though. Um, Maybe we'll see. What One of the things I find interesting, Reed, is that a lot of the customers didn't actually lose money because what these employees were doing is they would open an account or a credit card in the customer's name, unbeknownst to the customer. And then a few days later or a few weeks later, they would cancel the account. So the person wouldn't even know about it. They wouldn't really be assessed any of the fees. But the employees were doing it, so they would show on their reports that they've opened all these accounts. But it well, might actually, show up on credit reports. And that yeah, account. I heard that there yeah. were people who had, who had, because these credit accounts had been opened in their name and then closed, that, that, that's a ding on your credit rating. Exactly. So accounts that had been opened and closed without their knowledge, in fact, were driving down their credit scores and forcing them to pay more for credit as a result of something, this scheme that they had no knowledge about or didn't even know what, was, what, what, what effect it was having on their credit scores as they were paying more money or getting denied for uh, applications for other types of credit. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, that's, Wells, that's the problem. Wells Fargo is the number three bank in the country behind Chase and Bank of America. It'll be interesting to see how many customers jump ship and go to the other banks. And yeah. you know, in the last since this all started, the stock is down 10%, which is the lowest it's been in the last two years. So they're, you know, the bank's taking a hit every which way. Yeah. yeah, it might be a good buy for that stock because it's not going to have a material effect on their earnings, and this will blow over like everything else does, and I bet you the stock recovers. Anyway, let's move on. Um, you're listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio. You can check us out at our website, kuziklaw.com. And now we're going to move on to our Ask the Expert segment. It's time to Ask the Experts. Ask the Experts is a segment each week that features an interview with an expert. Now back to Ask the Experts on Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice. Today on Fighting for Justice, we welcome to the program Ms. Beth Karras. Beth Karras is an attorney and TV commentator who worked as a senior reporter with True TV and provided commentary on a number of high-profile cases, such as the rape trial of Kobe Bryant, the Martha Stewart trial, and the murder trials of Robert Blake, Scott Peterson, and Jody Arias. Her website, KarrasOnCrime.com, that's K-A-R-A-S, OnCrime.com, provides coverage and legal analysis of high-profile trials. 
Ms. Karras, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It's great to have you, and I think you probably have a lot of super interesting stories. Of all the trials that you've covered, uh, what would you what would you say are the three most shocking cases and why where there was a wrongful death? Well, you know, the cases I covered when there was a death are involved, in, for the most part, intentional acts. So they were murders, right? They weren't negligent or reckless acts. That, I mean, I didn't cover many civil suits, although a few that I did were quite interesting. But some of the shocking cases that did have a, a civil suit to follow were Robert Blake, for example, and O.J. Mm-hmm. Both of them found not guilty of the intentional act of murder, but found liable for wrongful death with multi-million dollar verdicts. There was also a case I covered in San Diego in 2007 of a woman who was accused of murdering her Marine Sergeant husband on the base. They had a kid together and she had a few kids from her prior marriage. He was 23, she was 28, just like up and died of a heart attack. They didn't figure out how he died. They said it was arsenic poisoning for three years, and they arrested her about three years after the crime. In any event, she was found guilty, but she was, before her sentencing, the judge was giving her a new trial because he thought her lawyer was so bad. And in the interim, before a new trial took place, they found more uh, of this guy's tissue. He had been, he had been cremated, but they had kept some of um, his organs, and the Navy did, and they retested his tissues, and there was no arsenic. So obviously, he, his, his, the tissues that that were originally analyzed and found to have huge amounts of arsenic, which was the basis of the uh, charge against her, it was a con- lab contamination. That was shocking. That wow. was really shocking to me because you know we hear about these wrongful convictions, and if ever there was a wrongful conviction, and who knew? We all thought it was great evidence. So. Wow! So she ended up finally being exonerated, and she didn't have to go to jail. Well, yeah, but it was rough. The prosecution, I don't even know to this day if the prosecution dismissed with prejudice. I think they dismissed without prejudice so that they could maybe someday bring right. charges. But it may be over now. She did have a civil case against the uh, San Diego DA's office that I believe was thrown out. But my very first, well, my very second trial in 1994 I covered was in Manhattan, and it was a civil case, and it was a wrongful death. It was the case of Libby Zion. Tom Moore and Judith Livingston tried it. Do you know who they are? I don't. Okay, they're uh, New York um, mal- medical malpractice attorneys uh, representing oh. uh, plaintiffs. In any event, that was um, a, big, a big loss for, for the plaintiff, uh, a nominal verdict uh, on, on their behalf, but the uh, doctors were sued, and um, it resulted in changing the laws in hospitals regarding residents and interns and how many hours they can work consecutively without rest. Wow. Well, at least uh, some good change came out of it. But, you know, it's so sad because the people, you know, there's there's people behind these lawsuits and and their lives can be devastated. Uh, I really feel bad about the poor Marine's wife. You know, she, she lost her husband. She has she has four kids that she's got to deal with. And while she's trying to be a mom, a single mom, she has to defend her life, basically. Uh, what a nightmare. It was a nightmare. However... You know, just in fairness to the prosecution, you know, when they were looking at her, they looked at what she did. As her husband's being wheeled out on the gurney from her house, she's asking if she can, um, if she had to give away 
some of the money that he had just received from the Navy and when would she get his insurance. And then when she got the $250,000 insurance, she got breast implants. And then she was in a uh, thong and wet T-shirt contest in Tijuana within a few months, and she was sleeping with a lot of his friends. So, I mean, it was rough on her, but she had a way of dealing with it. That's... That is Sounds like an interesting coping me- mechanism. <laughs> she's, by the way, she changed her name. She's married. She's doing well. She's living in another state now, so all's well. Wow. Wow. Well, um, I get, that's going to wrap it up for our Ask for Expert, um, our Ask Our Experts. Uh, we got to move on. And, uh, Ms. Karras, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to remind our listeners that to learn more about Beth Karras's Paris's uh, reporting, please visit her website, www.karasoncrime, that's K-A-R-A-S-O-N-C-R-I-M-E.com. Thanks again, Ms. Karras. My pleasure. Okay, we're going to move on to Reed's rant, and today my rant is about disrespecting property and just common decency. I was at Petco yesterday in a shopping center. And there was a nice lady uh, in the store. She was eh, probably about 45. And she noticed uh, a 17-year-old kid outside on the shopping center property that was selling, you know, like candy bars or something to raise funds. And he must have been having a really bad day or frustrated because he was picking, literally picking up rocks and just throwing them at the wall of this shopping center. And she went out there like a mom, and said, hey, what are you doing? You're damaging the property. There's no reason to do that. And he starts mouthing off, and I ran out there because I thought he was going to take a swing at her. And I, I think it's probably not a good idea to go yell at some kid that's throwing rocks because he could throw rocks at you. But I got out my phone, and I started videoing him. And I said, you know, you want to keep throwing rocks? I'm going to video you and I'm going to make sure to give it to the police. And he says, turn the video off. I said, put the rock down and go away, and I'll be happy to. And you could see that the kid felt bad, but, uh, you know, he knew what he was doing was wrong. But he said, it's just, it's just a shopping center. And I said, yeah, but it doesn't matter whether the shopping center is owned by some guy or some big corporation. They have to pay for the damage you're causing. And this is the kind of attitude that really really bothers me. You got to respect somebody else's property, whether it's a big company or a small company. You would never throw a rock at somebody's car or, or a window or a house or something like that. Um, there's no benefit to be gained from that. And just like littering on the freeway and people that smoke, they, they stand outside and they throw their cigarette on the ground when they're finished. At least some of them are, have the decency to stomp on it so that it doesn't potentially cause a fire. But somebody, who's going to pick that up? You know, when you're out there in the world, don't litter, respect private property, don't 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 leave your footprints in a bad way. You know, make make the world a better place because you passed by. That's the way you should live and everybody would be in a better place that way. With that, uh, I'm going to wrap up the show. I'm going to remind everybody to please check out our website at kuziklaw.com. You've been listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio with Robert, Mark, and Reed. Remember to check us out at KuzikLaw.com. That's KuzikLaw.com. Each week, we analyze civil cases in the news, trends in the law, and all legal current events. Thanks for listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio.